Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Lots to talk about today, including DeAndre Jordan, who is uh, the newest, newest Laker. Uh, we'll break down what he brings to the team and all the questions that his presence raises, some of which have to do with him and many of which don't. Uh, lots to do, and we'll do it all on today's Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto Amazing Selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Um, all right, so Friday, Andy, the, uh, the news broke. It's not terribly unexpected at this point that DeAndre Jordan, who had been traded to Detroit, was being bought out by Detroit, Detroit and would sign a one-year veterans minimum deal with the Lakers. Well, at this stage of the game, anybody that gets bought out who's been in the league for you know a minimum seven years, the expectation and, and feels like, frankly, the reality is they're going to end up a Laker. It wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers end up being gifted three or four extra roster spots just to take people in. They're almost like their own well, refugee program. I mean, the Lakers and the Nets can't do it all. Like ironically, <laughs> the team that yeah, I mean, ironically, the team that gave up DeAndre Jordan is in the exact same uh, game as the Lakers are in right now. It just seems like they're they're like the two orphanages yes. <laughs> in the NBA. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Um, I, there, what's funny about this to me is like there's there's a bunch of different discussions. The orphanage for millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch. It's not quite a hard knock life. Um, so, no. Well, it's a hard knock life, but it's like the Jay-Z royalties version of the hard knock life. <laughs> we love you, Miss Hannigan. So um, there are a lot of questions that are raised by this move. Um, many of which have to do with DeAndre Jordan, the basketball player, many of which do not, um, all of which we won't know the answer to, at least until, you know, we get closer to actual games being played. But, let's but that start will with this not one. stop us from speculating <laughs> wildly and I'm Andy, we, have, we, we got, uh, by my watch, like six weeks of shows. So if, we, if we avoid speculation over the next six <laughs> to seven weeks, and that could be much to do. No. So uh, let's let's get into it. Um, but this is not speculation. How good a player is DeAndre Jordan? Separating out all the other stuff and 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 what it means for the Lakers and what happens to Marcus All and how much five does Anthony Davis play? All of which we'll talk about on today's show. Just the player, on DeAndre Jordan, thirty three years old, I think at this point, young pup on this team. Um, how good is he? I think it depends on what you want him to do and what you need um, from him on the court. If you are looking for a source of easy baskets um, at the rim, he's very good at that. DeAndre Jordan was in the 90th percentile last season um, at the rim among players. He was 84% on alley-oops. He was 90% on dunks. Going through some other stats, uh, 92.7 cutting dunks, 73% alley oop layups, um, 190 total in terms baskets. Of in league, yeah, like you said. Uh, 190 total baskets last season, 137 of them were dunks. So for a team, yeah, I mean, look, he is, he is a one trick pony in terms of his offense, but. It is still a pony that can, you know, jump over those hurdles. He's, and a, he's like a pony that. who can dunk, which yeah, is, I mean, in and of itself is impressive. I it mean, is. look, but I mean, uh, he is he is still effective doing that doing one that. thing. 
Yes. And overall, and, though, he has I mean, not been a plus as an offensive player in a few years. That's fine. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, even going back to his last year with the Clippers, not not a you know not a a, a plus on that side. I mean, the I think in question, some respects it's just like because Don, you know, DeAndre Jordan at his peak, all he could do really offensively was dunk. It's not like you ever gave the ball in the post and told oh, DeAndre. God, no. But he was go just, to he work. was more prolific getting up. And sure, down. He, he, was, he, was more, he was his up and down was better of offensive right, rebound, right, exactly better, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, the bigger question that I think people have, I, I think even most people who. Uh, support the move, say that while the skill set is kind of useful, it obviously points to the Lakers getting back to that JaVale-Dwight tandem where you have two guys who can get above the rim and dunk a lot as your as your centers uh, to play next to Anthony Davis. Um, the bigger question is how good is he defensively now? Because that's the place where, um, where I think fans are looking at it and going, yeah, De- many fans who support them. DeAndre Jordan is better than Marcus Gasol. He's much better rim protector, all that other kind of stuff. Last year, particularly, he was a train wreck defensively. Over the last three or four seasons, if you go back to cleaning the glass, it's been a very mixed bag. His last season with the, with the Clippers, he was a net negative defensively with that group. He bounced back in Dallas in that you know 50-whatever games he played there. He was a net positive um, you know, in, in you know, in terms of points per possession, all that kind of stuff. Got to New York. That team was garbage. I understand. Was a train wreck there. First year in Brooklyn was good. Last year, terrible. If you are looking for somebody, if you're looking for something to say, yeah, but here it is. Part of the reason Jordan was ineffective in Brooklyn last year is because of the style of defense that they played, which was very heavy on switching. That is not something DeAndre Jordan can do anymore. And because of that, he literally could not get on the floor in the playoffs. They did not play him. Um, that's not how the Lakers are going to play. The Lakers don't switch nearly as much, and they aren't going to this year, certainly, with the, with the roster that they have. So it'll be much more drop coverage, hang out closer to the rim, do those things that you are... Um, more inclined to do better than having to play a switch-heavy defense. I suspect that's part of the equation the Lakers were looking at was what was he like two years ago as what what was he like last year. Um, I will contend, even with that, that Marcus Gasol is a better defensive player. But I don't seem to be in a position anymore where Marcus Gasol is going to be a team. Like that's, that ship seems to be sailing where Gasol is going to be a Laker. Maybe he will be, but it doesn't seem like he will be. Well, and if that's I mean, the case, you know, Jordan, it's, the question isn't, is Jordan better than Gasol? I don't think so. I don't think he's a better player on either side of the ball. But will he be better than he was in Brooklyn last year becomes a more relevant question. It does, but I think also, too, when you, when some of the, the reason it would matter one way or the other is what you might lose in Mark Gasol. And, for sure. example, if you look at their percentages defending five feet and five feet and in around the rim between mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan and Marcus Gasol, they are damn near identical. Mm-hmm. They they have basically the exact same effectiveness defending from within five feet, which ultimately is all you are really looking for effectively from either one of them. Because the further you pull either one of them from the basket, the more problematic mm-hmm. it becomes. Like whether you think. Mark Gasol is more effective if he has to be put in a switch offense, I mean, or switch defense than DeAndre Jordan. 
It might be. The truth is, you don't want either one of them doing it. No, but I just, that- I, mean, I think, I mean, Gasol, statistically, granted, playing on better teams, I understand, I understand that has an impact. Statistically, over the last few seasons, Gasol's been considered. But he's also, better. but he's also been on way better defensive teams. Like, right, but but, but I think, though, like, that I think, you, I, it, I think it matters a lot. And I think when you start looking at what what you expect from these guys mm-hmm. defensively, in term, not just in terms of their overall net rating, which, you know, especially with someone like Dondre Jordan, that we didn't see the ins and outs of, just looking at some of those numbers are going to be somewhere between misleading and we have really no idea what they mean at all. Well, but, especially what, just the style of defense is going to be no, very I, I think the style of it matters. Year. But again, like, I, I'm looking in terms of what, I would ultimately want from either one of them effectively with defense, what you could expect from either of them. Marcus Gasol is a better positional defender than DeAndre Jordan. He always yes. has been. In DeAndre Jordan's prime, he was not as good as Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol was, as I said last year, the world's most intimidating traffic cone in the lane. DeAndre Jordan, though, is a much better shot blocker. He is also uh, last a... Year, it's worth noting last year their, their block rates, for what it's worth, but he, but he is... But he's better, though. I mean, he is better over the course of his career, and he is a a better shot blocker. And he's a way, way better defensive rebounder. Like it's not even close. Who's better between the two of them? Like DeAndre Jordan in his worst years is basically Mark Gasol average. Like it's, and that is a part of rebounding. Now, can Mark Gasol do things if he gets that board that DeAndre Jordan can't? Yes, absolutely. But overall, I. I feel even, like in term- I, I don't want to get bogged down with this, but even rebounding is something that is impacted by who's next to you and all that kind of stuff. I mean, but, well, but right. I mean, but then, but right. then he, what's Jordan the point is, of bringing up any of these stats? Right. Then Jordan I mean, is Jordan is. Well, I will. I will. He crushes Mark. It's sure. not even close. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not debating yeah. the point. I'm just you know, it, 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 all, like, a lot of these things are all interconnected. But right. Again, go on. I think in terms of the role that both of them, assuming either one of them was going to play. This upcoming season, you know, if you're assuming that either one of them plays the JaVale McGee role, not even necessarily in terms of style, but just in terms of the minutes, how often Mm -hmm. they're going to be on the court. And I think that's going to be 12 to 15 minutes. In that respect, I'm not sure defensively it's going to be that big of a difference between the two, even if you think Mark Gasol is better. And that's fine. I'm not really here to argue which one, I'm more concerned with how much of a difference does it actually make. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. All right, let's 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 keep getting into that because you know, both offensively and defensively, um, what you're getting at is both a question of fit, but also a question of like, what are they going to do with him? Because the answer to that question that is an interesting question, Brian. Has a ton to do, like like a, a lot to do with what how good or bad or impactful this move is even going to be. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sweatblock. And there are a few things in life they are just not fun to talk about. And one of them is excessive sweating. Like when you just are drenched in your entire wardrobe and everybody else looks just normal. That's embarrassing. You don't want to talk about it. You stand out. And that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. They're stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You just apply it at night before bedtime. Next morning, you wake up, you wash, and then you go about your day 
and you don't have to sweat sweating. You use it once or twice a week. Stay dry the entire time, guaranteed to your money back. No more pit stains, no more just looking sticky and gross and sweaty. No more picking out your shirts based on what's going to hide that sweat better. And I'll put it to you this way. If you know of a sweat solution that is doctor created, doctor recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show and tested by firefighters, those are people that know something about sweat. I'm listening. But until then, you use Sweatblock. Check it out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Uh, Andy, did you know that 85% of the people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Yes. Uh, it's, not, it's not really that surprising. <laughs> At these times, people, I've felt like them. It, it's not that these people are dummies who like insist on starting Kurt Warner or you know whoever plays uh, quarterback for the Carolina Panthers or something like that. It's because the game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other mm -hmm. lineups, not to mention actual experts who have more tools and more time and you don't stand a chance. And that's why you need Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head -head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all, and you have the advantage because Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. Nobody else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero DFS is the way it is meant to be. One-on-one, -on -one, not you versus humanity. So play Stat Hero now. Change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free right now, and you can get three times back on your first play. They give you a 300% match, 300%. That's Damn. unheard of. I've never heard of that. No, I never have either. Yeah, that's it why feels like a typo. It could be. <laughs> I hope it's not. Go to Stat Hero. Well, I, don't <laughs> I hope we can just lock them into something. It's not my problem. Um, go true. to go to. You know, they should, people should be more careful. They're going to uh, again three hundred percent match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com/slash/lockedon. Stathero.com/slash/lockedon. I just lost Stat Hero. <laughs> or gained. Extra stat here. I don't know. That Maybe they just look at that and say, that's a brilliant idea. We should have done that to begin with. Um, all right. So uh, whether you like the Jordan thing um, or you don't, I am not, I don't think they got better by swapping those two out at the very least. Um, how much you should get worked up over it is entirely linked to how much the guy is actually going to play. And there are essentially two scenarios here. You mentioned the first one. He slides into the JaVale McGee role. JaVale played about 17 minutes a game in the championship season. Um, and then Dwight plays you know, his 15 to 20 minutes or whatever, and AD plays the rest of the time in the center. The other scenario is that Jordan is actually here to functionally serve as Dwight insurance because... Anthony Davis is going to play that much five, maybe even start at the five. So what you really need is one backup center, Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard is 35, 36. I forget where he is in this, in this group of people. He's tired um, from raising a lot of snakes. <laughs> there's, there's another joke in there too. I'm not going to make. Uh, <laughs> I, made, I made the one <laughs> that felt. And I just acknowledged the other one and everybody mm -hmm. can think it. Um, yeah. so, you know, I really was thinking snakes. <laughs> if that's the case, they're related. If that's the case, I <laughs> then he's not going to play very much at all. In which case everybody kind of gets what they want. You have in that case, Deandre Jordan has a sort of break glass in case of emergency, occasional center Dwight backup, whatever. That's actually pretty good. Like 
fits stylistically what you want to do. You don't have to change a lot of things. And it means Davis is going to play more center. Um, which, I, I think you've sort of tipped your hand here, but which do you think is more, I think we all know what we want. Which do you think is actually more likely? That he's going to play the JaVale role. I mean, just if for no other reason than A, that goes back to the model that won the championship in 2020. Mm-hmm. Whether you think it can be replicated or not, another story, there's no question it goes back to that model. Right. B, context I is just, different. worth noting that you know, when you have Russell Westbrook at point guard, it's a different deal than when you, yeah. you know, I mean, in terms it, it of is. The setup it is, is different. It's the setup is different. You can also argue that the setup could be better. I mean, I think there are not from I a think, spacing standpoint, but no, but other, from a forcing your way to the rim standpoint, from an athleticism and forcing will onto <laughs> DeAndre team. Jordan will be standing. Well, no, no, but I'm just saying in terms of just in terms of just forcing your will and your size and just overwhelming opponents, which was a big part of what the Lakers did. I think if you, if you believe in that, if you believe in that in a principle that ultimately can end up winning you games, I actually think there are arguments you can make that Russell Westbrook and just how dynamic he is as a player, you know, not just with getting to the rim, but just doing everything he does period can be more valuable than the spacing that you got from Danny Green and KCP. Danny Green being a guy that if he's not spacing, right, literally does Bradley nothing else. Yeah, Avery, Bradley, Avery Bradley was I, I irrelevant. Think, I think what you're getting at, and tell me if I'm, if, if I'm wrong, I think what you're getting at, though, too, is I think a little bit of what um, kind of motivated the Westbrook trade. I mean, they're not stupid. They know, okay, spacing is going to be an issue. It's why everybody that they signed after that in theory, is somebody who brings a three-point pedigree to the roster. Whether they're going to play or not is, is a different story, which we'll get to here in a second. Um, but the, it's, it's, it's based in part in the belief that the stuff that Russ brings is so good and so impactful that, yeah, there are going to be some places where it's a little weird and it doesn't fit yeah. naturally, but we'll overcome that. This, playing him next to DeAndre Jordan, Look, it was is, often, is an extension of that. Like it's going to be, It can be so good that we'll figure it out. And there's it was often clunky there. when they won the championship because yes, it was. very often they wouldn't guard those shooters anyway and they would dare them to make shots to very mixed results for the Lakers. But the other thing I was going to get, I mean, we, we've got plenty of time to break down the, the basketball philosophy that seems to be in place by the front mm-hmm. office. The other thing is just until I see that DeAndre Jordan is going to be a third-string center, I am not going to assume that somebody of his stature is doing that, combined with the fact that we still need to see Anthony Davis being willing to take on that type of role. So I'm assuming DeAndre is taking the JaVale role. I will be more than happy in this case to be wrong. Well, I think, yeah, and I think that's what everybody is sort of hoping because – you like DeAndre, you don't like DeAndre. It, it, the, the ideal outcome to all of these things is Anthony Davis spends 60% yes. of his time as a center. I've been um, saying this it, a lot. Yeah, and you know, to the extent that that could be the answer, all is well. To the extent that it is not, then, you, then the question of Gasol versus Jordan, which is I, I one I don't want people to think that, that I think this is one of these deals that's going to sink or swim or you know whatever the 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 season. It is just a question of to the extent that it matters, are you making your team better? I would say in this case, no, but it is not as important as many other things because as you say, at the most, Gasol probably plays 17 minutes a night and Jordan probably, you know, 
and probably many nights less than that. I, I also just feel like, I mean, it, the Lakers have been right or wrong, and ultimately the season will will give us that answer. They have been moving away from Marc Gasol and what he does on the court and seemingly devaluing it. So, like, one of the big arguments you would make against this move, which, you know, seems to be a part of, you know, either moving Marc Gasol further down the rotation or potentially leading to him and the team separating. Mm-hmm. Like, which seems you to lo- be where they're going. Right. You lose, obviously, optionality with Mark in terms of what a big man can do on this team. He, uh, Between him, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, he's the only one that can do certain things. Like That is not debatable. The optionality that gets lost cannot be debated, regardless of how you feel about this. The way I feel about it, though, beyond the fact that I've said many times that I've got some concerns of my own about Mark Gasol fitting with that starting unit and also how much you have, if the team is moving away from it anyway, then to some degree, it doesn't matter because you you can't lose optionality that you're not going to actually capitalize right. it's, the, the on anyway. The question just becomes why. And like, and there's, there's, two, there's a, a separate story here that will eventually be told, assuming Gasol isn't back, um, about why. Yeah. Was it the Lakers? And I do think the why matters. If they're oh, yeah. moving it away for because Gasol just became really you know, disenchanted with the franchise after everything that happened last year. Um, and it's what it happens just, to the Lakers and Gasol's right. It, it is eventually it all ends bad. Like if that's the reason, and a lot of this is Mark Gasol doesn't really want to be here anymore. There's not much they can do about that. If the answer is the Lakers are just have decided somewhere in there, somewhere in that space. And you know what? He's not the guy. That guy is the guy. Then it's a different conversation because I think they're making a I guy who runs podcast thinks they're co-runs bad podcast. I, I wouldn't be the only one, by the way, but it's a very well received podcast. Yeah. Should be noted. Well, just make Highly sure on iTunes you co-run the podcast. Don't let your yes, ego get out of control. Doing a lot of the work here. Doing a lot of the heavy lifting. But um, anyway. I and others think like the, the logic of that, the basketball logic of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but it, it is not the most consequential thing they're going to be doing, but it is an impactful thing. And again, all of the things that we talk about on this show basically are tethered to the little tiny things that are going to go into yeah. could impact them winning the finals or not. You know, it, this is all championship or bust kind of stuff. Very first world issues to be dealing with. Um, the thing about the roster, though, adding DeAndre Jordan, though, and this this question about how much he's going to play is, is, is really a question that really ought to be extended to the entire roster because the Lakers have a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes, um, that are, in theory, names and, in theory, people. Oh, there's no theory, like man. They're the, they are the classic rock yes. of basketball rosters. That's right. You, they're <laughs> The Lakers are playing the hits. You know all the names, and those names stretch back a while. Right. Sometimes Steve great Miller songs. Just, see, sometimes Steve Miller wants to get off the bench and into the rotation yeah, of look, the music man. that you hear on K Earth. Look, the Exile on Main Street came out in I think '72 by the Stones. That album still bangs, man. It it's really fantastic. Um, just because it's classic rock and old doesn't mean it's bad or you know can't win you something. All right, so let's talk about that because the Lakers' rotation is getting very, very full. It is already full. It is overflowing. <laughs> Um, what do they do about that? We'll talk about it next.
Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway when you get it from far less, far less at rockauto.com? For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, it's $353 from a chain store only $216 from rockauto.com. Don't be a mark. Don't be a rube. Go to rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts, auto parts customers online for 20 years, whether it's for a classic or a daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or for your truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we Sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so here's the Lakers roster currently. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, THT, Rajon Rondo, DeAndre Jordan mm -hmm. coming, um, Marcus All currently, or whoever replaces Marcus All, because it'll open up a roster spot that they'll need to use. And they have one more roster spot that they will fill. And then the 15th for the active guys will, will, will stay open. Better be a wing. All right. Well, I will try to get to that today. If we don't, that'll be on the on the topic for this week. Better they need be wings. A wing. They need wings. But like the answer, the, the DeAndre Jordan, like how the, how much does AD play the five question impacts what else they need? Because they, they also need a, another power forward if he's going to play the five a lot. But that's so, yes, but it better be a wing. They need a wing. Better be a wing. Regardless of what happens, they need a wing. If they keep Gasol, they need a wing. Um, the only one of these guys that I get the impression in, so sort of like definitely got a clear impression from their like press conference, their introductory media conference, that you know he is very aware that he might not play a lot is Rondo. Like I, I got that feel from him. He's like, I'm here to play. I can compete. Blah 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 blah. We'll get into that. I don't agree, but keep going. That was that's the one guy that I think was like pretty clear on that. I think most of these guys, if not expect to play, certainly want to play and are used to playing. So like, you know, they've got 13 potentially 14 guys um, from night to night. Uh, guys are going to get squeezed, whether it's, you know, even if they play an 11 man rotation, even try to sneak in a 12th guy, um, which is tough. You're going to have a lot of players on this roster who are squeezed, whether, you know, that means they play three minutes and or none or seven or whatever. Frank Vogel is going to have the, the communication skills for Vogel, which are most players, you know, really praise heavily are going to be tested this year to make sure that everybody understands exactly what they're going to need to be doing and when and how they're going to be used and that they may not be used for very long stretches at a time. And I, I if they're winning, I think everybody would be on board with this, but it is definitely going to be a challenge for Vogel um, to, to kind of settle on a rotation and make sure everybody understands, you know, especially the guys who are left without a chair, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, obviously that is going to require communication, but what makes me feel good about this heading into the season, Brian, is that I felt like these guys, beyond Rondo, there were a lot of guys who seemed to have been communicated that their role could occasionally include not playing. You mentioned Wayne Ellington before. 
Wayne Ellington during his press conference to me sounded like somebody who understood there could be nights that he didn't play in the way he was describing his role. Trevor Reza to me sounded like somebody who expected not to play as many minutes as he had in the past. We've already said that Malik Monk took a big gamble coming here. And, you know, that gamble was he's here on a minimum contract trying to reestablish his value on a team where he could get buried in the rotation. Malik Monk, I assume, is not stupid. He had to have known that when he signed this deal. Like the way I look at it is, well, (laughs) look, if he's unhappy, he's easy to cut. And I I understand that there is to some degree, you know, a a cost analysis and whatever. But the flip side is you weren't going to be, you know, how you weren't going to be able to get somebody like Malik Monk, most likely at a minimum sure. anyway. It's, so you took a flyer. It's disruptive to have to kind of cut guys it in is. the year and all that. Kind of. it, right. It I mean, is. They, but they are all expendable. You are correct. If he, but also, if he's somebody that hasn't been playing, then in a lot of ways, it's not really that disruptive mm-hmm. at all. Like there are six guys that I picture playing 25-ish minutes or more a night. And that's LeBron, AD, Russ, THT, Kent Bazemore, and Kendrick Nunn. Those are the only six guys that I think are a real lock for a nightly type of role like that. Everyone else I think is going to be negotiable in part because of the way it seems like what was explained to them, where they are in their career, but also too just like where you saw things starting to head with them. Like, you know, if DeAndre is taking over the JaVale role, like we had talked about earlier in the show, that's like 17, 15 minutes, yeah. you know, give seven, or take. Dwight, seven, Howard, Dwight, Howard's, yeah, Dwight Howard's minutes went down a little bit from the Lakers last season in Philadelphia. I think he's going to be playing about 14 to 17 minutes. He, I think, is at a stage where he's going to be fine. And honestly, until Dwight figures out how to foul less, he can't play much more than that anyway. Like the rules don't allow it. Like he's not going to be able to. Yeah, stay I mean, he on played 18 court. minutes his first season. You know, second first season in in right. LA. The, you, you know, know in this incarnation. He's certainly not going to play more. Melo's minutes. He may have been at 24 and a half last season in Portland, but they were down eight minutes per game from the previous season. By all yeah, accounts, he played he was off totally the bench as opposed to starting. Right. Well, but the point being, though, the minutes were moving in that direction, and Melo, who again, not a dumb guy. He knows that he was doing that last season on a team that wasn't as good as the Lakers, didn't have the same star pecking order, didn't have two guys in AD and LeBron who will often be at his position. They didn't even have many guys at Melo's position in Portland last year. Like if Zach Collins hadn't been out the whole season, he would have taken some of Melo's minutes. Well, you know, like we talked about before, I could picture Trevor Reza playing a lot more in fourth quarters than he does over the course of games. Right. He certainly, Trevor played 28 minutes a game last year. With well, he'd also taken two years off. Right. I mean, with, <laughs> but he played 28 a night with um, Miami. With Miami, and he's not going to play 28 a night. Right. I, unless I, something goes wrong. I got, I, I got a real I, I sense that these guys... I don't think you're wrong. I, guys, wrong. I got a real sense that these guys were told up front, there mm-hmm. is going to be fluidity with your roles. Now, granted, accepting all this, you and I covered... The uh, this is going to be fun team in 2013. And I will never forget when Antoine Jameson talked about how everybody, including himself, talked up sacrifice really big in the preseason. And it turned out to be way harder than everybody expected. Again, including himself. He wasn't throwing teammates under the bus. No. The difference is, though, a lot of those guys who were unhappy were in very different stages of their careers than the guys we're talking about now. And the other thing is they didn't win. 
Yeah. If you, you got to win. I mean, because like, look, is Mello expecting to go from 25 to 10? Like, that's a bit. I mean, look, I understand, you know, 25 to 21, 25 to 18. Like, that's, you know, it's, you're down, whatever. A guy, you know, some of these I guys. I think he'll play around from, 17 a night. He might. But I'm saying, like, it's, it's going to be hard. Shit, to, I don't if, want him playing over 20. <laughs> I'll be sure honest. Something either. went wrong. Like, the if point is, happens. if 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 certain guys are in the ballpark even of what that means certain guys are going to be at zero yeah. and they're going to be at zero for long stretches. And it, it is going to be incumbent on everybody to really be communicating and engage in that sacrifice. And then I think Vogel will be smart about doing what he did a couple of years ago with guys like Quinn cook mm -hmm. and, and Troy Daniels, which is Trevor, you're going to sit for three days here so we can get yes. more minutes for Mello. We're going to get, you know, this lineup together. We're going to try this. But and, and and then last season, by the way, really quick, he Vogel would do that some with Markeith Morris, make him the sitter, you know, so mm -hmm. other guys could go out there and play. I mean, beyond Markeith's own struggles at times during the season, I think he also, sitter. I think he also recognized though that Markeith was somebody that would accept it and yeah, wouldn't argue, and, 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 and that's part and, of the gig. If it works, and it will, I think, if they're winning. Um, but it's just it's one of these things that I think is going to be the, the 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 difference from night to night because he. You don't, they're going to be a lot of situations. They have to rotate a bunch of guys through to find out what works. Sure. Uh, because there isn't a natural, like, well, it's easy. It's these five guys with these five guys. Like, there's a lot to figure out. And so I think that is going to be one of the things that is going to be a challenge to the coaching culture, a challenge to the playing culture, and a critical uh, need to win because nobody rocks the boat when you're winning. If they if they, if things aren't going as well, that's when you hear the grumbles and you know maybe Mello is not happy. He's not playing a lot. I'm not picking on Mello or saying like you know any he, he avatar for any of these guys. DeAndre Jordan wants to play more, whatever it might be, um, because you know they're all at different points in their careers. But many of them, I think, would like to keep playing. And if they don't play here, where do they go afterwards? You know, so I I'm not trying to be alarmist. I just think it's one of these storylines that when you look at the the roster which theoretically could get more crowded. If you sign a guy like James Ennis, like he's a wing who like is needed. Like they better could, be a wing. <laughs> like that's somebody who's going to play and squeeze somebody else out of rotation time. So when you keep signing players that everybody's heard of and kind of be like, whoa, that guy's not playing. It's fine. Yeah, if, I, you know, fans say that, but it's different if, if, the guy is also saying that. Like, I yeah, think look, I can still play. Again, this stuff can become diff more difficult in practice, and everybody's going to have to, you know, do this when it's – they're going to have to accept this when it's really happening as opposed to the period when they're just talking about it. Correct. But one commonality, though, before we go, that I did notice in terms of a lot of these guys, you know, the, the literal veterans minimum guys that we are speaking of um, along – maybe not Malik Monk, but certainly the, the older guys – they they talked about this a lot like they joined as much to be part of an experience mm -hmm. as they did just their actual roles and how much they're going to be on the yeah, court. They, they want they to want be to titles. They want right, to be part, of, to be part absolutely. of a championship experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it seemed like that was, again, part of the appeal. We need to see it. Yeah. And happen. if they get out there and win and players are playing well and the, and the system's working and all that, it's going to work beautifully because then you'll have some guy and guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to take days off. People, everybody's going to play, but there's a difference between playing and really being part of the rotation, being part of the thing. And then, especially as the playoffs roll around, you know, understanding like, okay, my 60 games are kind of up. It's going to mm -hmm. start 
peeling back now. Um, but then presumably by that point, they're really, they're really it's a lot more clarity and there's more clarity and everybody understands and everybody's so focused on the end goal here. Um, so like, I just, I mean, I think it could work wonderfully uh, and I think it will. I mean, I, I'd be, if, if things don't go really wrong, guys don't get hurt. I think they're going to be in the finals. Um, but this is, this is one of the challenges on this plate because in theory, they're going to add <laughs> two more guys. Frank Vogel has a lot of challenges on his plate. It's a lot. Period. Period. Um, all right. So a lot of stuff we didn't get into uh, in terms of including who might they use those last spots on. Uh, Wednesday show, we're going to do our scouting report on Kent Bazemore with the uh, Light Years podcast guys, Andy Lewin, Sam Esfandiari, two of our favorite dudes yeah, they're awesome. uh, in the NBA universe. So that'll be on Wednesday. Um, we still haven't gotten to the COVID stuff for the, how that could impact the NBA this year and the Lakers. Um yeah, I mean, there's still there's still plenty of stuff to talk about, and we'll still wait around to see what happens with Marcus Saul and the other roster spots. Uh, so we'll see everybody tomorrow.